Hello, friends and neighbors in the audio radiance. I am Spider Robinson, the James Taylor of the Stone Age, coming to you from the home of the terminally confused Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Good evening, everybody, unless it's morning or good afternoon, unless it's late afternoon or early morning. And could be very late evening. I don't know. You know, when it's a podcast, it could be any time. You could be sitting up uh, in the Arctic Circle. It could be 5 a.m. You don't know. I don't know. But whatever time it is. Hey, hi, and welcome to an Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We are the only podcast to guarantee to remain carbon neutrality. We signed the UN Compact, and for the rest of this fiscal year, and becoming all electric before the end of 2023. I don't know why we've done that. Um, It's an expensive proposition. We've rewired everything to 220 for no apparent reason. Hey, everybody, I'm your vaccinated host, The Durham. Uh, This is episode 528. You know what that means, don't you? I wish I did. Uh, Tonight, it's another mask-mandated, fully quarantined evening here in Area 51. And in this episode, we've titled it, Why Would You Write One Novel at a Time? Uh, Answering that question, a number of people. Joining me in the Area 51 broadcast facility tonight at the clickbait fact-checking wheel of fish and swollen green gummy bear snack pack shack, it's Captain Cam. How are you, buddy? Can you just say all that over again? You know, I, I don't think there was a couple people that uh, just uh, wrote me and said they didn't catch it. So would you mind just reading for them? <laughs> no. In any oh. case. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I, I got it right once, I... and that's never happening again. <laughs> Anyhow, how the hell are you, bud? Well, I'm doing very good. You know, we, so haven't, had an ep- we, we haven't had an episode of What's Cam Watching in a while, so. Oh, well, I was just going to say, you know, that uh, I'm here at the snack bar trying to work on quantum mechanics here. Uh-oh. So That sounds dangerous oh, yeah, to me. Well, I, I've got a I've got a good guide here. I've just finished watching a video by uh, you know this uh, gentleman might know what he's talking about. Brian Cox, uh, professor. Oh God! Oh no! Oh, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, somebody challenged him to uh, to describe uh, quantum mechanics in sixty seconds. He succeeded. Oh, so I've decided that using Pop Rocks and Mountain Dew, I'm going to try to implement quantum mechanics 
to help us achieve that quantum neutral our carbon neutrality thing you've always been talking about. So what's Cam watching is carbon neutrality and well, quantum yeah. physics. Well, quantum physics. I know. Uh, I'm expanding my brain. Holy sheep shit. Good for you. I thank uh, you. I, I was I I've been watching old episodes of 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 uh, 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 Rocky and Bullwinkle, uh, <laughs> which we were talking about before the show, uh, because they're scarier than hell, uh, and and we were talking about that with our guest for tonight, an old friend of the show who is one show away from being into the Five Timers Club, which he's going to be in in early July. Uh, because it's one of the coolest uh, series of new books that he started. And how do we know he's going to be in the Five Timers Club in early July? Because he's written the first two books in the series at the same time for no apparent reason, although he has a reason for it. It's our old buddy C.T. Phipps. C.T., welcome back, man. Hey, you know, funny thing, I tried to educate myself in quantum physics, and the first thing I noticed is a lot of people just put quantum in front of whatever nonsense they're preaching, and that is very hard to see through <laughs> in a complicated subject. Yes, <sighs> yes. Ah, quantum hot dogs. Could you have quantum hot dogs? Oh, yes, they'd just be really small. Uh, <laughs> and made of quantum. <laughs> then they get really big. <laughs> Sounds like my first wife. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. You have case. a better chance of being somewhere else. Right when <laughs> oh, you want to yes. put well the quantum mustard on them. Yes. Just a Good concern. Lord. Yes. It's also funny because uh, you're talking about watching classic uh, cartoons and uh, you're watching a, about self-educating and complicated subjects. I think uh, what is my current uh, YouTube looking like, okay, aside from reviews of uh, old Star Trek episodes, there's a bunch of 80s cartoons I missed while I was an actual child. I think uh, Galaxy Rangers. Ooh. Uh, Ooh yeah, yeah, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. <laughs> well, those oh, were terribly funny, but terrible. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. They're, they're incredibly fun to watch uh, for their sheer awfulness. And Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Wow. I, I, th I think I, I have way more than I should be watching on that. Honest to God, how, can you actually sit through those? Uh, because yeah. they don't make much much sense, do they? Well, the whole point of uh, of me having these cartoons is I play them in the background as kind of a white noise to uh, write to. Ah, okay. Which is something you can't do with, with something like Rocky and Bullwinkle or Peabody and Sherman. Because if you, if you like, break your concentration for like maybe 10 seconds from it, you lose everything. And oh, then yes. you have to sit there and go, wait a minute, where was I? What was I? What am I? Um, and it's, it's, it's interestingly, I don't know if you're familiar at all with, with uh, a, a comedy troupe from the late 60s. They started off uh, in San Francisco radio called the Firesign Theater. And it was it's the kind of comedy that you can't listen to anymore because nobody has that kind of uh, auditory stamina. <laughs> no, n nobody has nobody can listen for that long anymore. Uh, and it's a, it's a damn shame because it's some of the funniest stuff 
that was ever created. Mm-hmm. But it just you, you really have to have the ability to sit and listen for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes of just everybody just shut the hell up. Don't talk and concentrate and listen. And people can't do that anymore. Oh, yes. Of course, as you say, uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle is just a special kind of multiple levels of a comedy that, you know, every time you rewatch it as a child or an adult, you get di- different, deeper levels of it. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It reminded me, actually, of the criticism of that uh, brief The Muppet Show revival uh, where they were, like, doing The Office for whatever reason there. But And all these parents were sending in notes and saying, like, when did the uh, Muppets start doing adult humor? And I'm like, did you ever watch the original Muppet Show? They've always done that. <laughs> You schmucks. Yes, I mean, like, you, you watch that show today and uh, as a full and adult there, and you will get t- ten times as much entertainment as a child, and you were delighted as a child. So what that has to do with what we're talking about is, oddly enough, uh, you came up with a, a whole new series of books. Mm-hmm. And... The first book in the series is called Space Academy Dropouts. Uh-huh. And I saw that you had said, you you had actually sent me an email and said, hey, you want to read it? <clears throat> and every time you send me an email that says, hey, you want to read it? The answer is immediately, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, A, because I love the way you write. B, because I love the stuff you write. Uh-huh. And C, because uh, it's usually great stuff uh well above the 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 normal science fiction stuff that we get and just great fun to read so we got this in and i just kind of went oh man this is amazing and cam and i as soon as we started reading it we just started trading notes back and forth going did you get this bit did you get this bit did you get this bit and realized that uh, this was just like cream of the crop stuff. And there were layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. And found out that you had read, written the first two books at the same time. Actually, you're uh, wrong about that. I have written the, written first, the first three, three books. books at the same time. Oh, yes. That one is coming out in probably August. <laughs> Oh man, we'll you be know, hearing it's back sh- from you in September. Oh, yeah, well, definitely. It's it's a shame you're just not you know pushing yourself hard enough yet. So <laughs> let's let's talk about uh, Vans Turbo and <laughs> Space Academy dropouts. Yes, I I'll, I actually do that exact voice for. Uh, <laughs> oh yes, because it- I know you do. Of course you do. Yes, I except I go at Vance Turbo, hero of space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I should have is the echo on right now. Vance Turbo. But, you know, we'll do that oh, in post. Oh, oh, yes, they do it in the second book, actually, when they when his the show about his adventures comes out. And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> and I'm like, so, you're the one who gave yourself that name, dude. Don't don't blame me, the writer. <laughs> So where the hell did this come from? Let's just start there. Oh, yes. Well, as you may have guessed from having read some of my other works there, I'm not so much a uh, 
ordinary uh, fantasy or sci-fi writer as I am a satirist. <laughs> I certainly love uh, taking these kind of uh, the genres that I absolutely love, and instead of just doing them straight, I can't help but point out all the tropes and fill them with endless amounts of snark, and I blame it on uh, Kevin Smith, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and the Dresden Files. <laughs> Because I would argue right off the bat, you you do it with a certain level of love and respect, in the sense that you know this stuff intimately. It's not like somebody coming in off the street and going, "Oh yes, well I'm just going to pick on science fiction and fantasy." Well, yeah. you you come in there and you know stuff like, and I'm this was the first reference that blew my mind. You reference F sharp Bell. Look it up, yes. folks. <laughs> yes, uh, that's a reference to a Green Lantern who doesn't have a concept of color. <laughs> So, you referenced the Geology Channel. Come on. The Geology Channel? Oh, yes. Uh, you know, they uh, in the future, they don't do uh, actual geology anymore, though. They only talk about aliens that don't exist. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, and, and severely inaccurate samurai shows. <laughs> uh, but so yes. Uh, where, where did this come from? Well, I, I'm getting, yeah, and you're definitely right there. There's two levels of satire you can do for uh, thing, things that come very much strongly from a place of love from a deep fan, which is, you know, the Mel Brooks version. And, you know, there's the scary movie version, which it comes from just cheap references. You can guess which I tried to do there. I love Star Trek, Halo, Mass Effect, Babylon. We could name every single uh, science fiction program I've ever watched, and I'm sure there's a reference to one of them at least three or four uh, times in uh, each page of my book. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is kind of the uh, sister series uh, to uh, The Rules of Supervillainy, which the more you know about comic books and comic book history, uh, uh, ranging from you know the 1960s on, uh, the more you'll appreciate The Rules of Supervillainy's deep references there. Absolutely, and I feel the yeah. Yeah, I feel the exact same way about this in Star Trek there, which, uh, you know going everywhere uh, into my deep love of all this uh, sorts of things there. And uh, I feel that this is the reason this will probably be my other ongoing series aside from the Supervillainy Saga. I just love the material that much. I can will never run out of ideas. Well, I mean, how can you? I mean, you've got a cast of characters here, which is an arm's length long. Uh, and, and each one... I hate to say it, it's funnier than hell. <laughs> uh, and each one of them has a good story. So, I mean, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm going, you got your Lance Turbo. Y yeah. you, you got your Alfred. And I'm thinking to myself, Alfred? Where the hell is Batman? No, never mind. We're just moving forward. Uh, yes. And then, then you've got your Bob, just Bob. Yeah. Never mind, it's Bob, just Bob. Yeah. What? No, it's Bob. He's an just alien Bob. kitty. Do you really want to try and pronounce his name? No. <laughs> you have Captain Jules Elgin, and yes. you have Captain Kathy, or Auntie Kathy Tagawa. Yeah. Yes. The aunt of our hero. Yes, just the Janeway of the universe. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Great, great bunch of characters there. And uh, part of this is also due to my friend Michael Suckis, who has helped me re write a couple of my uh, books uh, in uh, 
urban fantasy there. But yeah, we just brainstormed together uh, just all these wonderful ideas and sci-fi concepts and did our uh, very best there. But if I had to try and describe the book in one short sentence, I would probably go with Mass Effect by way of Silly Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite character, I have to tell you, is your Radio Shack AI. Yes. <laughs> Which, for those of you who don't get the joke, is a TRS-80. And for those of you who still don't get that joke, too damn bad. <laughs> yes, uh, that was that was one of the jokes. Is like the only a part of the readers will uh, understand what uh, her designation is a reference to, and those who will will laugh their asses off. I mean, holy shit, that's hilarious. Yeah. That TRS-80, and I'm going, no, 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 no. <laughs> Yes, Only because I own two of those. And yes, one of and them is still in my goddamn basement. Yes, the, the trash CPU, a.k.a. Trish. <laughs> Who gets put into the body of, of oh, God. What is it? Space <laughs> Cadet Sally. Yes. <laughs> A rope for robosexual perverts. <laughs> and yes, I'm sitting there and I'm going... Okay, we have gone from the sublime to the ridiculous to the TRS-80. Uh, and, and, and I'm thinking, CT has just, just gone off the deep end because yeah. this is just six degrees of wonderfulness. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, it's like... It's, you know, uh, in the future, we're going to be definitely making those uh, human-like quality uh, robots there. And, well, you know, uh, for any lifelike, uh, realistic functions. <laughs> and, you know, Although I thought, oh, yeah, it would be great to have a body like that. You know, enjoy the experience. <laughs> yes, that's all where I'm going. But, but yeah, yeah, we're not moving beyond that with her. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, not. And, moving you know, beyond that Vance, with her. Yeah, Vance is like, that's a children's show. It's like, no, it's family entertainment. <laughs> well, it is if you're Vance's family. <laughs> True. Uh, Keeping in mind that, that the other half of Vance's family, besides Captain Aunt Kathy, savior yeah. of the universe, is, is, is Vance's parents, who yes. are the only two people in history known to crash an automated spaceship into the sun <laughs> oh oh yes guys... he's, yes he's uh, vance's caught between two worlds living up and down to uh his family's expectations and really not wanting to do either so having <sighs> having tried in desperation to describe some of the characters of this space farce because in many ways it is what's the story Oh, well, you know, it's the story is uh, something that uh, I'm glad I could fit basically on a blurb there. Uh, Vance has decided to drop out of uh, a space academy because of a lingering sense of guilt. There's, you know, the Wesley Crusher accident where some poor uh, fellow cadet uh, died. And, well, he doesn't get any blame and feels pretty guilty about that and wonders if nepotism was involved. Because, you know, his aunt is savior of the universe. I, I was doing the Flash Gordon uh, theme yep, by Queen. I got anyway. you. I know I got that. <laughs> I was explaining for the audience who have no have not listened to the greatest uh, soundtrack of all time. 
You, you do know that was Queen, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Nobody else yes. knew that, but yeah. Yes. Yes. The greatest soundtrack of all time, except all other Queen soundtracks. <laughs> By which I mean Highlander. <laughs> okay. But no, okay. Now I'm completely doing this one. Yeah. Vance drops out of Space Academy. But here's the thing. He had like an hour or two credit left. So uh, the uh, I'm not going to call them Section uh, 31, uh, but that's basically who they are. <laughs> Immediately, uh, because they use every different number except 31. Yes, uh, district. Uh, yes, uh, Department 12. Yeah, they drop a black bag over his head and dragoon him to uh, be part of a crew of oddballs and misfits uh, that have to uh, do an incredibly important mission to recover sun-destroying missiles. And Vance is probably the only one intelligent enough to say, if you were actually doing that, why would you pick this crew? Yes, uh, the ragtag band of misfits that is totally not decoys for something else are assembled on an old uh, trashy uh, spaceship uh, from the early days of uh, human lightspeed travel and sent toward contested space, which is a lawless frontier. And Vance, uh, uh, who is a, naturally a snarky, wise-ass and manipulator and uh, just get all sorts of trickster kind of guy, finds himself... Uh, reduced to being the straight man, or as I call it, the Steve Gutenberg role, <laughs> on a ship of apps of all other dropouts from Space Academy and people who have been hired for their unique abilities, uh, but incredibly impossible to, to coordinate attitudes. So essentially, you've rewritten Three Men and an Alien. Gotcha. Uh, I, you know, I, I would go say, I was going to say Police Academy, but we can go that way, too. <laughs> I was thinking Police Academy. Oh, yes. Well, you know, uh, I would actually just say, you know, again, the very silly Bioware. It's like you have this incredibly oddball crew brought around by your uh, your Paragon Shepherd, except not quite. <laughs> and, you know, Vance tries to get them all together, even though he's just a graduate, not even a graduate of Space Academy. And everyone else has a lot more life experience. But he seems to be the only one who actually thinks, OK, maybe we sh aside from the captain, of course. Maybe we should actually try and, you know, do this job of, of recovering these incredibly destructive super weapons that uh, are left over from the last uh, major galactic war. And mm -hmm. it has this amazing uh, meteoric rise um, to uh, the level of second in command of this ship in no time flat, which was absolutely yes. Cap hilarious. Captain Elgin is the uh, is the actual Captain Kirk of the setting. Uh, Famous hero, just like his aunt uh, Kathy, and legendary uh, badass who, for whatever reason, has assembled this bizarre crew and appoints uh, Vance to be a second in command versus, a, you know, anyone else who with actual experience, which, you know, Vance finds as strange as it should be there, right before things just go even more to hell and Vance is left uh, unwittingly in charge. And yes, it was completely a reference to the 2009 Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because and you know I with a more realistic outcome of you know if that happened we are so screwed oh yeah because i'm looking at this going it's like they took captain kirk and zap brannigan and found some sort of weird middle ground between the two oh, and yes. this is the this, this is what he is yes uh well it's uh, it's kind of hilarious how Everyone uh, automatically uh, called him uh, the young Kirk character. And I'm like, Kirk was not nearly as uh, <laughs> bad as Vance. 
no, no, because Vance, Vance is bad, you know. He's, yes. he's there. When there did I is become this... a straight man? Is Vance's motto, life, a philosophy? <laughs> yep. I uh, find it absolutely wonderful. It's like putting a bunch of people into a blender like this and throwing them into an omelet pan. And just not really caring what comes out. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love all the characters. And, you know, Vance is a wonderful way of getting them to uh, splash off of uh, each other, too, there. We have uh, Hannah, who is a uh, beautiful, uh, I'm not going to say cat girl, uh, but uh, cat DNA enhanced uh, mercenary girl who uh, is uh, hard as uh, nails in the space marine and is like, yeah, I don't want to uh, handle this shit. You, you stay in charge, Vance. And, yeah, and, uh, and then poor Leah, mm-hmm. ex-girlfriend. Yes, Leah ex is... Ex-everything. Yes, uh, she's a psychic, uh, <laughs> uh, pupil of Captain Elgin, and wondering why she isn't in charge. <laughs> because, by all means, she should be. But, you know, there's a reason for that as well. 42, the... Uh, the... Giant, the Gorn. <laughs> yep, pretty much, yeah. yep. I'm not, saying th- I'm not saying they're the Sorkinan or the Gorn, but they are. <laughs> well, of course they are. Yes, because <laughs> I, I love the idea uh, that uh, several of uh, my favorite sci-fi series, like Mass Effect and Halo, both went. The idea is like humanity goes out into the stars, but it turns out there are a lot older, more important races. So we're sort of like space Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're 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 not a major military power in the galaxy, you know. And the Sorkin and uh, ancient lizardmen race, they're like. Yeah, they're the actual empire and everything. And uh, uh, 42, uh, who was, of course, the answer to life of the universe and everything. Yeah, he he is feeling like he's serving on a on a fishing boat, basically. <laughs> yep. We're, we're a trawler in the universe. Yes. Uh, you know, you, humankind is doing its best to try and, you know, puff its chest up and spread its peacock feathers and say, like, no, we have legendary superhero captains and uh, and. And we're real badasses, you know, just, you know, with our little tiny Navy. And no, we don't. And we don't. If, uh, if we're going to reference the Gorns, we and, don't you know, want to forget. All, the, all these great characters they're doing there. And, and the fact is, uh, Vance just, you know, uh, also does win the respect of at least one person on the ship. The only one that really matters in the ship's crew, AI. That's Trish, the trash computer. Yep. And you know, I think her her interest in Vance is not entirely professional. I can't no. imagine what would make you say no. that. And you know, oh. that's that's an awkward thing to do when you're a ship captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 awkward to have that kind of a relationship with an AI. Vance is uh was practically raised by his uh his household AI and Alfred, so he tends to view them a little more kindly uh, and as people than the rest of their galaxy. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, there's this whole, the the character of Alfred is the weird to begin with, uh, but you did that on purpose. Oh, yes. I Wait mean, what minute. else would you name a robot AI butler? Of course. <laughs> of um, course, we, we, we're, we're leaving out the antagonist here. We've been talking about the protagonist, but for every Gorn... And every human, there has to be a Klingon. And our Klingon is the general. And the uh, Notha, well, maybe I'm stretching that a bit. 
because we do have our aliens in the yeah, Yep. Which are, and I don't think I'm stretching this too much to say that basically think of them as highly aggressive squirrels and not terribly much bigger than them. Yeah, I said the Natha, well, what happened if the Ewoks were the head of the Galactic Empire? <laughs> That's actually an even better way to put it. Because I, I, I love the, I love, because you're looking at this creature that's absolutely like an Ewok, cute and absolutely adorable, and so de-racist. Oh, yeah. speciesist, I guess, in this case. Everything is beneath them. It's like, oh, you yeah. are all beneath us. So, except yes. that I think it sounds like more, you're all beneath us. <laughs> yes, uh, Jeffrey Kafer said, uh, created this incredibly uh, fascinating voice for them uh, on the audiobook there. I think it's co- best described as uh, someone doing a hyperactive count from Sesame Street. Because, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, you've got, the, you've got the ridiculous Bela Lugosi accent to just emphasize that these people are trying to sound as evil as possible. And, you know, it's probably someone in the translation uh, room fucking with people, but it works perfectly for them. Excellent. <laughs> yes, the Natha don't believe in anything like like the sapience of other races and, you know, are horrible, genocidal, slaving, conquest-minded uh, baddies, all to speak there. And, you know, for whatever reason, they just can't get the rest of the universe to take them seriously. Maybe the fuzzy tails, it may be the bad attitude, it may be the stature. Not yeah. really sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's also, they actually got me to allow me to get into some interesting uh, points there, because one guy actually commented, it was, uh, he uh, found the whole idea of the fact Vance keeps trying to get uh, the prisoner uh, uh, to have his rights respected and, you know, not be subject to uh, the crew of fucking with him. Uh, and, and he's like, this is just an objectively bad guy, but Vance is still trying to do it and annoyed that he has to. <laughs> <laughs> And basically not much more than annoyed. It's like, okay, we're going to turn on the electrical pad underneath him. And I'm like, you cannot do that. I will kill your entire family and your planet. And I'm like, you really can't do that. (laughs) No matter how much it's deserved. Yeah, which is, you know, him trying to get his Paragon points. So what possessed you? did you to do three books at once? Well, uh, in fact, actually, uh, that was the suggestion by uh, Jeffrey Kafer, and this is something I would love to say that uh, was entirely my idea, but he put me in touch with Podium Audio and says, like, you know, uh, they're looking for a sci-fi series, and I, I recommended you because we did such great work together on the Super Villainy Saga and a couple other books, like Cthulhu Armageddon. And, uh, also, uh, my slasher parody called Psycho Killers in Love. Uh, but yeah, and uh, we did that, and it was like, you know, they're like, oh, we'd love to have you to do, uh, we'd love to sign you up for three books. And I'm like, oh, that's impressive there. And how long do you want uh, Do you want to get them? It's like, well, can you get them to get uh, for us in, oh, three months? I'm like, no. Okay. What? How much is that? I, I think they expected the books to already be done by the time you approach them for a contract there. But oh, no, I'm Lord. like... <laughs> but I, I here's the thing. I actually managed to finish two, and because I, once I got into the groove there, I just uh, I just entered the zone and uh, was uh, typing away uh, in my weird Stephen King cabin. 
<laughs> as the dark forces <laughs> gathered around the gathered around, ready to break through as soon as I stopped typing. And, so you and basically I, don't stop because the demons will get you if you do. Yeah, I, th- I think I just went, uh, referenced the plot of Alan Wake for some reason. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but that apparently was my mindset for that. And, and again, I, I just w- I was watched, I think, the entirety of Deep Space Nine in the background while I was typing away, so good for me. Oh, with the, that works. That works. So, and, and so you got one coming out. One's out now. One's coming out next month. No, no. Second book Actually, is already second out. second book is already out. Yes. The third one's coming out in like a month and a half. Yes, that's the goal there. Holy Kripolis. I'm editing it now, yeah. Space Academy uh, Dropouts, Space Academy Rejects, and Space Academy Washouts. And then... And then we'll see if the Podium wants to renew our contract for another three books, because I'd like to write at least six. That would suck. <laughs> well, if not, you know, I'm uh, I'm not going to uh, put any pressure on Podium, but, you know, Jeffrey Kafer says, like, we can do it together just even if you don't. So, hey, they're lost. Well, there you go. But, yeah, so, so if you want to read more of these books, you should definitely buy and review both. Like, oh, shit, uh, Sherlock, this is fun stuff. I mean, I'm definitely going to review. I think we did review the books. Did we not review the books right here tonight? I think uh, we did. Well, if we we didn't review it here, we can always make sure we can do it at some other places we know I and put we our could, two yeah. cents in. Yeah. Well, I, I think, definitely appreciate your endorsement, guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. if you, if you need, if you need a book cover blurb, just let us know. Oh, of course, I, I, I definitely wouldn't turn it down, my friend. We're we're more um, than happy to do that because. Oh yeah. Sh- I mean, here, here's one now. This shit's fun. How's that? <laughs> oh yeah. Eloquent dome. That is so incredibly eloquent. That's me all over. This shit's fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Read it and enjoy. Uh-huh. I mean, how many? You, they didn't say that about 2001, did they? <laughs> no, they didn't. Oh yeah. You, I, I also I gotta give credit for Podium though. Uh, they made some great covers for this book. There. Uh, you guys seen the audiobook covers? I have. Oh yes, actually I did. They're really cool. Yeah. I think the second one uh, can best be described as, uh, for whatever reason, Ernest uh, goes to space. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. I have not seen these. I'm looking them up now. They're really cool, man. They're really nice. Yes. I, and I agree with you. You know, I, I'm waiting for, the, you know, the next one should look more American Gothic, but I agree with you. Oh yeah, I uh, I think uh, the the only problem with the uh, the Kindle covers, which are completely different, is uh, they look like a more serious space uh, kind of thing there. But you know, you want that's the audience you want to attract before they understand it. This is totally upending their entire seriousness there. Lower decks, the Orville, and I'm I'm gonna try and think of another series. <laughs> I got nothing on this. Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> I like that, oh, that series. Speaking of which, because you do a lot of Star Trek referencing, so and, and I know that you pay a lot of homage to the Roddenberry universe, mm-hmm. which I know that you love a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm anxious to get your take on, you know, they, they've done a lot of new stuff within the Roddenberry universe in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I have spent a lot of time just kind of sucking it in and loving it mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah 
I was just wondering what your take on it was. Well, you know, it's kind of the thing there. Uh, even when I don't like the new Star Trek, I think the only thing I, I did not like, period, was Into Darkness. Uh, everything, I generally love Star Trek any at this point. It's like, you know, it's a hamburger, and I uh, enjoy hamburgers. And, you know, it's good to have an old friend back there. And while some is better than others, I'm overall very generally positive. I think Strange New Worlds is so far the most consistently better, but I also really enjoy, I love Lower Decks. Oh, that's funnier than hell, isn't it? Oh, yes. I mean, like, I, I'm i like, damn, you know, it's uh, the timing because I can't get better than this. <laughs> I've been having an awful lot of fun uh, with their episodic stuff uh, that, that Paramount has decided they, they really want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why they decided that they wanted to do it, but... Uh, I thought Discovery is uh, some really strong stuff. Uh, I thought Picard was just heart had had such heart to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Prodigy, I, I I'm not sure about. Mm-hmm. Prodigy is I think very good as an introduction to Star Trek. I mean, it's not going to be uh, be brand spanking new for the experienced right. fan, but it's not for you and. Yet, you know, I think it's still pretty good. My wife enjoyed watching it. Yeah, yeah. She, she, here's the thing. She had no exposure to Star Trek before uh, the new Trek Discovery. Yeah. None. And that got her into watching D Space Nine and uh, TNG with me. So, you know, I, oh, I understand kinda, that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, of my opinions there, you know, uh, I have, you know, specific things I like more. I actually, actually am one of the rare people who like Discovery before uh, season three uh, more because, you know, I like the whole prequel uh, concepts there and, you know, interacting with this, the Federation before uh, we got. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah so, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think a lot of people prefer it in, in the future where they have a lot more uh, tele- storytelling freedom. But, you know, uh, I confess, uh, you know, it's just a matter of preference there. And I still like what they're doing. Uh, Picard season one. I like that more than uh, season two because I like the world building of the after the TNG era. Yeah. Uh, some people thought it was a little too dark. And I'm like. I think it wasn't that dark at all there because the whole premise is the Federation becomes isolationist, but they only do it after Mars is destroyed. <laughs> yeah, well, surprise. I mean, yeah, and, you know, <laughs> they, they eventually get to get it turned around, people. I mean, like, you know, give give them some leeway there. Uh, that's a pretty big deal uh, to deal with. And for me, the one everybody doesn't seem to like, which I thought was maybe their finest, was Deep Space Nine. Because... Uh, there's there's the toughest storytelling that there is oh, because yeah. you're not going anywhere. Yeah, Deep Space Nine is my all is my all time favorite trek there, and uh, it was for the reasons that you know a lot of other people are down on it being like you know the fact it is stationary uh, serialized storytelling and you know they don't go in money places, uh, but you know have the consequences come uh, from episode to episode because you know they don't go anywhere. And yeah. you know. I, Hilariously, I watched it. Uh, I would watch uh, D Space Nine and then a day later watch Babylon 5. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I understand that more than most people would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My favorite my favorite episodes on that were, were the holodeck episodes where they would go to Vegas. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to admit there uh, I was not a big fan of Vic on D Space Nine there. Uh, I know. I, I know most people weren't, but uh, I know it's just like, um, you know, I, I'm just 
it's it's uh, it's like a special drink that most people like most people don't like it's an acquired taste it really is so it's but, your you know, moxie oh yeah well, <laughs> yeah what i loved about uh d space nine was definitely uh was mostly major cure i admit <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i i understand man you know you know, do you know what I love talking about with you, uh, with CD, and, and that is that is talking with you. No. Because because you know, there's there's a kindred spirit in 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 getting to talk about stuff that we understand that there's a there's a light in science fiction that that we all know and we we want to keep lit. And when the first time I read uh, your super villainy saga, uh, I was I was there's there's a, a used bookstore uh, in Manchester, New Hampshire, in downtown, and I dropped my daughter off for her music lesson on a Saturday morning. And she had a two-hour music lesson and then I would walk over to the used bookstore grab a couple of used books and sit in the park and read for a couple of hours and I grabbed one of your books strictly by accident going through the sci-fi section and I sat down and I read the book from cover to cover and I went there's a guy I want to talk to because there's a book I, I really enjoyed reading I literally had you on the show within two weeks because I knew that there was a kindred spirit there. And I've enjoyed every time I've had you on the show since. I've enjoyed every one of your books since. And, man, it, it's it's always a pleasure having you on. It's always a pleasure talking to you. It's always a pleasure reading your books. I can't wait to get I, – I enjoyed reading Space Academy Dropouts more than I can tell you. I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to Space Academy Rejects. And we'll talk to you in about a month, month and a half. Mm-hmm. One, thank, one thing I okay. go ahead. I will. Uh, one thing I, I will hit myself if I don't reference before uh, you wrap things up. There is not everybody did like uh, Space Academy dropouts. I did, in fact, get quite a few one star reviews. Do you know why? <laughs> Please tell me because they're wrong. But whatever. Oh, yes. Because uh, at one point uh, in the middle of the book there, Vance has to deal with some space pirates. And uh, they are oh, yes, yes, yes. They yes. are the uh, the ESS uh, Nathaniel Bedford Forest. <laughs> give you a, a, a sense of what kind of people they are. Uh, you know, he has to board them, deal with their uh, Confederate flags, and shouting about the Second Amendment. And, so on. They're like, and they're like saying, like, I can't believe you're making fun of our our noble Southern heritage. And I'm like. Lady, I'm from Kentucky. I've been making fun of people uh, and their noble Southern heritage my entire life. <laughs> it's a, one of the funniest damn parts of the book. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and here's the thing. I, I have no problem making fun of, uh, of rednecks in space, but I was actually not uh, making fun of any political points there as much as I could have been there. No, I was just making fun of Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, if I could grab you by the shoulders and kiss you, I would. (laughs) Our guest tonight, 
has been one of the funniest and, and best science fiction writers currently around today. Uh, one of our good friends and somebody definitely worth reading, C.T. Phipps. C.T., thank you, my friend. Thank you. And we're done. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is made possible with the support of Granite Con and Double Midnight Comics, Plastic City Comic Con, the Upper Valley Comic Expo, Dreamforge Anvil and Dreamforge Magazine, and Comic Art House. If you're looking for a great gift idea, may we suggest Sci-Fi Saturday Night's anthology, My Peculiar Family, available on Amazon. The audiobook is also available on Audible. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. Check out all of his amazing work at robwattsonline.com. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Their discography is available on Bandcamp. Thank you so much, Jojo. This is Dome saying shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. So unless it's daytime, good night, everyone. How you doing there, Dome? I am the terror that flaps in the night.